0: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode.
1: Welcome to Season 3, Episode 19 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week, I am thrilled to introduce you to our guest, Lori Schultz. She um, is the creator of something called The Ignatian Journey, which we'll dive into, and she'll share all about that um, on the show. But she is also trained in both spiritual direction and the Enneagram, and she is just passionate about Jesus and helping people discover more about who He is um, so that they can figure out more of who they are, which is perfect for our show. So welcome, Lori. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, we're so excited to have you. And as we get started today, I was wondering if you could start with, you know, a very vague question of how did you discover your purpose? How did you kind of figure out this path that you're on with the Lord and um, start the Ignatian journey?
2: Mm. well, Jess, it actually, um, I would say I would have to go back into my my story of just um, growing up in the church. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a pastor growing up. And I feel like I had a really wonderful church upbringing and background in the church. Never really strayed too far away from that. Um, we had a family, raised my kids in the church. And I was really in my 40s and had been already in a lot of church leadership. Um, and I had a chance to, I was meeting with somebody who I was just having coffee with, actually. And she happened to be a spiritual director and a counselor. And I didn't even really know what spiritual direction was at the time. But while we were meeting, um, she asked me a question that I really had a hard time answering. And it was not anything like Earth shattering. It was just uh, the question was, she said, it feels like you're pretty OK all the time. I'm kind of curious where that strength comes from and where that leaves you with the Lord. And I found myself just um, sitting there feeling like I had never really been asked a question quite like that before. And it, it really, um, I knew it had, had gone right right to my heart in a way that I felt like I had to answer more honestly than what was coming was my strength comes from the Lord. And it really didn't, something inside of me didn't that didn't really feel true. And so I found myself really just answering that that was a really good question for me. And so I spent about two weeks really just pondering on that, trying to come up with what my answer was. And we met again. And the next time we met, I started sharing with her a little bit of my story. And about five minutes in, she said, "Uh, How are you feeling while you're sharing this with me? And I found myself wondering, like, why was she even asking that? Because I really wasn't feeling emotional or I didn't have any tears and I had to think for a second what I had just shared and I thought oh, I guess it, it sounds kind of sad and so I, I said that and as I started to continue sharing the tears just started pouring mm-hmm. and I, I spent about three hours crying I didn't even really know where the tears were coming from but what I was discovering and this was in my 40s so you know I'm in midlife and I, I'm feeling like you know like things in my life were really good at the time and and so i found myself just in a place of not even really understanding you know the journey that i was beginning on and so i found myself for about probably 3 months of that summer just in a place of real deconstruction so i didn't even realize how disconnected i was from my emotions um, I didn't even know I had a story that really had anything to go into. I had never done any kind of story work, um, and so I felt like that whole summer I just really um, fell apart. Really, disappeared out of everything. Just really spent some time uh, in a lot of reflection, mm-hmm. and and at the at that point, I felt like the Lord just started. Um, you know, putting some things back together. So it was a very disorienting time, but it really started me on a journey of discovering really more about myself and more about God uh, at the same time. So I think prior to that, I knew a lot about God. Um, At that point in my life, I started to discover a lot about myself and the things that were keeping me from really connecting with God on a a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And so that was the start of a really, Oh gosh! Now I feel like it'll be a lifelong journey, but um, really, a lot more about encounter with Jesus, and uh, that's been a real beautiful journey that has led me eventually to the Ignatian journey that we'll share. I'll share about.
1: Yeah. So, so as I'm hearing you share this story, I just feel like we have some listeners out there who thinking who might be thinking, okay. I resonate with that. I feel like I don't have a story that would impact anybody. I I feel kind of stuck. I feel you know, I feel like there's a disconnect between with what I know in my head about God versus what I experience in my heart. What what do you have for them of maybe a first step or I don't know, anything specific for that person?
2: Yeah, I would say, I mean, for me, there was a huge learning curve on even discovering um, what it looks like to share my story. And I so I, I really, I feel like the Lord really went before me and putting some people in place that were really good listeners. Somebody who would listen, not in a way that was really fixing or advising or rescuing me, but more in a way that was just Holding that space, um, really a safe space for me to get into my story, and and just to recognize that I had pain in my story that I really had not addressed. And so, right at the around that same time, actually before even before that meeting, I had just discovered the Enneagram, and that was a new, <laughs> that was a tool. I feel like a con- combination of some a good listener um, who knows how to listen and and. You know, really hold safe space and getting into your story. And then the Enneagram was just such a powerful tool in the end um, to discover some of the things that were were really keeping me from connecting to my heart. Mm. Um, I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so I don't know if anyone can relate to that. But as I discovered that over time, um, and it took a while to get there, I started off, I tested out as an eight at first, and so tried to get in touch with what that was like. Um, but over time, as I continued to journey, when I first read the description of the seven, at that point in my journey, I realized, gosh, this is just like looking in the mirror. I felt like it was mm-hmm. just like right into my soul. Um, but the big thing about the seven that I, that really resonated with me was that um, there was a real disconnect between mm-hmm. like holding pain and joy together. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I mean, for me, it was either pain or it was joy. <laughs> and I'm, somehow I had found a way to be content in all circumstances. You know, like that yeah. was just, I'd almost spiritualized that. Um, But what I didn't realize is that in order to do that, I really was numbing or or shutting down any kind of um, emotion or pain. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I also discovered Brene Brown somewhere in the midst of that. And one of the things that she says is that you can't numb emotions selectively. And so I realized, gosh, I felt like I was, a, you know, a joyful person. But when I started to discover that I had really shut down the more negative emotions, that really I was kind of living in sort of a, you know, very contained space mm-hmm. that felt like joy, but it wasn't really, I wasn't really experiencing the full, you know, range of that. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Well, and I'm a two, and I feel like I can sometimes do the same thing, but for a different motivation. So Mm -hmm. I'll sometimes shut down disappointment or painful emotions because I feel like they'll inconvenience someone else. So it's like Mm -hmm. the same outward behavior, but that different motivation. And when you can pinpoint what's motivating those unhealthy behaviors or that hiding, I think that can lead to real breakthrough. Absolutely. And
2: what I discovered, too, is that part of that shutting down of those negative emotions were really keeping me from recognizing even really my, the sin in my life. And I, you know, I mean, I, I really it's, I knew I was a sinner saved by grace. This was a part of my upbringing and my knowledge. I knew what Jesus had done, that he had died for my sins. But I can't really say looking back on, you know, that in earlier in my life that I was really fully aware of what my sin really was. Like Mm. I I felt like the stuff I would have counted as sin was were things that I was doing pretty well not doing. And so (laughs) I just it felt a little bit more like it was really within my control, and as I started to really um, go on this journey of deconstruction, I really discovered, I, I really came face to face with my own with my own sin and my own depravity. Um, a lot of that was really tied up in a lot of self sufficiency and pride, and and so as I, I feel like I really what happened is I really encountered God's love for me in a new way, and. That gave me some kind of safety or something to go into, um, you know, come out into the light a little bit more fully and really discover who I was, all at the same time knowing how loved and accepted I was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that. I mean, that's life changing. It, it was, it is,
2: and it's like, it's both like painful and I mean, I, the, the kind of joy that I started to experience was just, I mean, it just was such a difference from um, the very managed emotions that I had had, you know, prior. So yeah. it felt worth it. it. I mean, it was, it was painful. It felt like I was learning, you know, they say in the Enneagram work with the seven, I was really learning what, what sober joy looked like. Like I mm-hmm. couldn't really experience joy without having, experienced pain and being in touch with that side of things. Um, So in the beginning, there was a lot of crying. I felt like I just, you know, it was like all the things I probably had feared about emotion in the first place. Like once that starts, you just can't turn it off. And um, so it just felt like that was never going to end. And at some point it did. And, but I just feel like now I just have, there's a A much stronger connection between a feeling of sadness or pain in my life and and tears you know so it just it just feels like it's connected a a little bit more appropriately
1: so yeah so as god had you on this path or journey um how did what is the ignatian journey and how did that come out of this season of your life yeah, so I th-
2: during that time when I was really in that place of just feeling so much disorientation, I felt like I thought I th- for some reason it came to me like I think I need a book. I mean, I had the, my spiritual director had asked the question, and I, and I started meeting with her for spiritual direction at that time. Once I discovered what that was, um, mm-hmm. and as I met with her, one of the questions that she asked me is to think about um, where have I been, where am I going. How am I going to get there and what stands in the way? And I thought about those questions and I just, I could I thought, man, I think I need a book or something yeah. to read. Will you, will you say those yeah. again? Sure. She said, the questions were, where have you been? Where are you going? How are you going to get there? And what stands in the way?
1: Mm, those are good. And it
2: was, yeah. And it was really the, I ended up deciding to do, um, just some collage work. I, I mean, it was just a, a time where I felt like I really wasn't feeling much like journaling, but I found myself just like cutting out words and images and you know, finding some pictures. And I just made four collages that represented really those four questions. And- <sighs> I I think I spent weeks on it. I mean, it just—I kept coming back to it and adding more to it, and really trying to, you know, find a full expression uh, to answer those questions. And in the midst of that, I also I did go and find a book, (laughs) and I I actually talked to a trusted friend who recommended reading um, Ruth Haley Barton's Sacred Rhythms, and that was just a starting point for me. I felt like it was um, it was tapping into some things about really you know, some spiritual practices, spending some time in solitude and silence that, that was, so. I can't even tell you how far that was from my normal rhythm and life. And so it was really difficult for me to to even sit still. Um, And I think part of that was because when you stop and you really, you know, sit for a while, a lot can surface that, you know, it's just much easier when you can push those things away. And so I found myself really starting to lean into some new practices and rhythms, um, like solitude and silence, and, and also kept, going from one book to the next. I mean, I just, I felt like it was just like this, I had this insatiable appetite and one book would lead to the next book. And I went from Ruth Haley Barton to um, books by Henry Nowen and some of the more contemplative authors. So I really discovered spiritual formation and Mm -hmm. And I found myself eventually within about maybe two months, I found myself in Teresa of Avila, like reading some of the mystics and desert fathers and mothers, which like this is so far from my norm. I wasn't really much of a reader prior to that, um, but it was just, it was touching something so deep inside of me. And I felt like those authors just became my teachers and um, spiritual guides. And so it was just, it gave me the chance to wrestle in some things that I really had never you know, considered. And after, as I went on that journey, I kept listening to things and reading things and I spent time with art and different, different resources that were just kind of unfolding. And I felt like God was leading me on this journey that, um, and this is where the Ignatian exercises comes in. <laughs> I, had, I didn't even know what the Ignatian exercises were, but when I first was um, introduced to them, I, I realized I've been here before. Like, this is the journey that God just led me on. And it had some really very specific um, stages to it. The first one was really beginning with recognizing his love. So it was like God's unconditional love for me. And then as I encountered that, it actually threw me into a real encounter with myself. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the next phase is, you know, when you encounter the true love of God, you tend to feel unworthy. And uh, it's like with the disciples when, you know, when Jesus calls Peter and says, follow me, and he just starts off with, I am not worthy. And so there's something that happens where you just, you see, um, you recognize your limited response to that. But then it goes into really, really, seeing his grace and forgiveness and mercy. Um, and then in the Ignatian exercises, and this is where I found myself, it takes you through the life of Christ. And so I found myself going through the stories in scripture in the, in the gospel, you know, just moving through and as and encountering Jesus in a, in a whole new way, his life, his ministry, um, encounters that he had with, Especially people like Peter that I just had this real connection to in that time, and then as a, and then going through all of that life of Christ and leading to the journey to the cross, um, and then what does it look like to actually share, you know, in his suffering, and then the resurrection life, and so that and that's the cycle of the Ignatian exercises. And so when I landed there, I thought, this is this is some kind of Holy Spirit inspired. I me. Mean, this is a path. That I just went on, yeah. and and I never knew I didn't know anything about St. Ignatius, but it seems like he went on the same path somewhere in time, and so and so it just it feels like it's a real like beautiful path that I would say for spiritual growth, not just that you encounter once, but um, Jesuits who practice Ignatian spirituality come back to this cycle over and over again, you know, throughout their lifetime, so.
1: Wow. I mean, I just love how God took you on that whole journey. Yeah. And then showed you, hey, look, it's a thing. Here's a model.
2: (laughs) 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 There's a path. Right. And it felt like planned out and inspired. And there's a reason that one it's like it one kind of fell into the other. And so it's like it became like the gospel for yourself. You know, I mean, it was like not just sharing the gospel, but oh, my goodness, like, how does this impact me, how does my how does my story cross over with God's story, you know, that he planned out with, with the story of Christ? Um, and so I just I mean, for me, it's become really a path that I'll continue to take um over and over throughout the rest of my life, you know, yeah. just to every time you come back to it, there's something a little deeper, you know, something different about yourself, something different about God, and um it's deepening all the while.
1: Yeah. So, Along those different journeys you've taken now, what are some maybe surprising characteristics of God that you've discovered? Mm. Well, um, I
2: would say one thing that I have discovered is I, I think part of it is just the way that he is so gently wooing me into trusting him with all the like, just recognizing his goodness, and and seeing what, when I think about what what I used to how I used to imagine it, um, you know, what is faith and 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 trust in God? You know, I, I had a hard time like fitting like where do when bad things happen when things are painful? How how does that fit with God's love for me? And so I think what has been so probably the most surprising is recognizing the invitation that He has for me to to trust Him in all of the good and in all of the hard, you know, that holding pain and joy together is really such a part of the journey. And that, you know, he's, he's, he's showing his love for me in all things, not just the good things that happened in my life, but the, the things that are really painful and hard that I wouldn't choose um, on my own, but that yeah. somehow he's, he's allowing. And that I, if I can learn to receive that, um, you know, in a, with a more open posture, that that's you know that that's a part of this journey towards unity with Him, and so sharing in His mm-hmm. suffering is not something that I would have really. Oh, I just don't think I would have recognized that as, um, a you know a normal part of the journey. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm learning to lean into that um, to not resist. Uh, the painful things in my life and to and to keep coming back to recognizing his love for me in, mm. in deeper and deeper ways. So. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. What advice or like word might you have for someone who is in the midst of a painful season right now and is really mm. struggling to see that goodness or just, yeah, is like, okay, great. That's great for you. But I don't feel like God loves me that way
2: mm yeah, I think I mean the thing that I've connected to most recently, um, and with one of the cohorts that I just recently did for the Ignatian Journey, we were really sitting in in the um, the journey to the cross. And one of the most profound things that the things that I discovered in the midst of this work um, has been a thing called the Paschal Mystery. Uh, and I it was it's by uh, the best description that I've seen of it is by uh, Ron Rollheiser. In a book called *The Holy Longing*, and this has been a this is like a framework that I just have never uh, considered before. And you know, when I think about what like Easter Sunday or Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, so death and resurrection, I feel like there is um, you know that feeling that. You, you have a death and then, you know, there's resurrection. And I knew that there was this time in between this Holy Saturday that I had never really considered. Um, that was like the waiting, you know, like you just don't know what, when Sunday is going to come. You don't want to know when the end of that story is going to happen. Um, but what I hadn't considered, and this is what Ron Rollheiser names in the Paschal mystery is that there's actually a time in there's good Friday, which he would say is the loss of life. And then Easter Sunday which he would say is the reception of new life but then in between at between after easter sunday there's actually 40 days before the ascension and the Pente- and pentecost and it's the 40 days that i hadn't really considered because what he what the invitation was is to let go of what has been to make room for what God's doing, that's new, and that He call, He says that the forty days there is like is a time for readjustment to the new and for oh. grieving the old. And I feel like that part was so new to me because sometimes when you're in that place of letting go of something and it and it's so you're really recognizing how painful this is, we're not really given permission to grieve. You know, you're, it feels like you're supposed to, you know, try to figure out how to find joy in the midst of sorrow. Um, but learning how to grieve well was a really a big part of my journey. And then he's then he names the ascension as being letting go of the old and letting it bless you. Um, and then the refusal to cling. So don't cling to what has been, but let go of that and make room for what God's doing that's new. But that's hard because you can't always see what that is. Um, and then he names Pentecost as the reception of new spirit for the new life that that you're living. And so allowing God to, to bless you with that. Um, and that was just a new model for me altogether um, of learning how to receive. You know, what God was giving me, even though I wasn't sh- I'm not sure yet what that's going to look like, if I'm going to feel okay about it. Um, but recognizing his love for me and opening up to that.
1: So. Yeah. Wow. And I've never heard it explained that way either. And I've been a Christian for 34 years, pretty much. You know,
0: <laughs> that yeah, is
1: powerful yeah. and yeah. so beautiful of the Lord to work that into the story that Mm. time to grieve, like he always knows what we need and he (laughs) provides space for it. Yeah,
2: and he, That's amazing. Ron, yeah, Ron Rollheiser uses the example of when, when Jesus says to Mary after the resurrection, you know, don't cling to me. And I always thought that was kind of a, fun, a strange thing for him to say to her, but he, he brings it into such, um, Ron Rollheiser's description of that would suggest, you know, Mary, don't cling to who, how you have known me. Mm. Let go of how you've known me, because if you don't let go of that, I can't give you my new spirit and yeah. and, um, and yet Mary probably still has that tendency it's, it's she's maybe not 100% ready. it's not like she's kicking up her heels and saying okay I mean I think it probably took a little while mm-hmm. you know for her to really be able to let go of that um, and there was probably some grieving in that of you know letting go of how she had known Jesus because mm-hmm. um, that was really good you know yeah. and so to step into now to let go and not know yet what this new spirit is going to be like, that's that's the challenge. So. Yeah.
1: Wow, that is good. Hmm. So, as you've been on this whole journey, and now the Ignatian journey you kind of describe the steps, but it's an actual program, correct?
2: It, it is. And actually the Ignatian exercises has been out there for ages. I mean, it's just, it's a really, you know, it's it comes from Ignatian spirituality. It comes from um, the Jesuit tradition. And so it's been around for a really long time. It's a model that's been used and there are tons and tons of different versions of it. Um, the one that, that I've connected to, it used to be that people would, it was originally created as a 30 day retreat. So you would pull out of your life and go for 30 days um, on retreat and go through these stages, these movements of the exercises. Um, At some point, they figured out that not everyone can do that. And so they created what's called the 19th annotation, which is a retreat in everyday life. And so this particular version is laid out over the course of 32 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, And it's meant to be done basically to learn some rhythms in in the course of your everyday life. And the, the rhythms, the, the weeks basically you have, each week has a theme and it starts, it, there are five movements basically, the ones I named, the preparation days, which are the first six weeks. And then based, the next movement is called, it, it's based on weeks. So it says first week, second week, third week, fourth fourth week, based on that original 30 day model. Right, yeah. but it's but it's spread over the course of 32 weeks, so it's about eight or nine months. So, wow. so yeah. So, in those themes, with each theme, it, it starts with God's love for you, and then it moves through the themes uh, each week. And each week, there the the foundation of it is really scripture. Um, some people think of it as a school of prayer. Um, I really, I think some people think of it, and I like to think of it this way: um, a school of discernment. So you're growing in learning more about yourself, more about God, no recognizing when something is of God and something is not of God, mm-hmm. um, and so it's really a pathway as you go through this this journey of self-discovery and God discovery. Um, And so in those weeks, the way that what we've done with the Ignatian journey is basically taken the scripture, which is the foundation, and we've tied it to one particular um, author who did, Um, wrote the Ignatian adventure. His name is Kevin O'Brien. And I just, I loved his particular flow of content and themes for the week. Um, And he, and basically lays out an introduction to the week, just tell you what it's, what it's about. And then what we've done is I've curated um, different resources. So kind of took the journey that God led me on of, reading and listening to things, paying attention to art, um, different, so I kind of have a teaching background. And so bringing in different learning styles, different spiritual pathways that people could experience and wrapping it all around that theme for the week. And so, so when people come into the week, they read the introduction, they spend time reflecting on scripture, they might encounter some different spiritual practices to incorporate in that time. And then there's always something to read. There's always something to listen to. There might be a poem or a prayer to reflect on. And then there's always a Visio Divina, a piece of art that's been tied into that particular week for someone who might connect in that way. Um, and then that's the content that, that people spend time in and in prayer um, throughout that week's time. So. Wow.
1: That sounds amazing. And I'll put a link to that in our show notes and all these books you mentioned. When I go through and take notes of the show, I'll make sure to link all of those. So listeners, if something that Lori has said has really struck a chord with you, go to our blog. It will be linked there so you can find it all. Um, so that was just my quick plug for Wonderful. the blog. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Because uh, I know I always listen to podcasts in the car, so I can never write anything down. Yeah, that's
2: great. Yeah. And we actually have um, right now we have uh, we have a cohort that's being offered uh, that's going to be running starting in the fall. In it will be in, it'll be in St. Charles, Illinois, and um, that particular co- ho- cohort is a group of people that are just coming together intentionally. There'll be three retreats um, that are laid out, you know, throughout the time to, to gather mm-hmm. together in community. Um, and one thing I'll say that I should have said even at the beginning of the Ignatian exercises is that this is something that's really meant to do with a with some kind of a guide so a spiritual director is a really great way to engage the Ignatian exercises Um, and then also to the potential of doing it in community is really profound because that's it gives you an opportunity to really dig in to the content to discuss it to you know to be with a small group and and really journey together through it Um, and then also to like we talked about earlier like Get really get you get into your story quite a bit when you do this kind of work, and so it really teaches people how to be listeners to each other,
1: mm.
2: and to hold that safe, you know, that space and uh, safe ways for people to really encounter um, Jesus. And that's the that's the hope that you wouldn't just be learning about Jesus, but that you'd be practicing the way of Jesus and also um, encountering Him in new ways.
1: Yeah. Do you do them in different locations for different cohorts or are they pretty much in Illinois? Yeah.
2: Well, right now we have one that's going to be running in Illinois this year, um, but we, ho- we hope to start, you know, start cohorts in some other places as well. So yeah, check back on the website at some point. We'll, we have a, a tab that says programs and you can see what's being offered um, currently and then hopefully more in the future. So. I want to do this. It sounds so
1: powerful.
2: Yeah, it's really, it's so rich, it's rich because it basically, you're being led through a combination of, you know, these, what feel like just spirit led, you know, this pathway for spiritual growth. Um, And then also encountering, you know, these, these ideas and um, thinkers in the area of spiritual formation. And so it's a lot of inner work, but then as what's, what's really powerful about the about the journey is that, you know, when you do this kind of interior work, it's really never supposed to be an end in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And so the model just moves through a lot of what would be mostly interior kind of work, you know, throughout the time. But then at the end, it really turns, and really throughout some some places throughout, it more turns toward the outward. You know, how Mm -hmm. does this you know, in light of this now, how am I to live and, you know, bring peace and hope to the world, you know, so it's meant to be, you know, for more that end. Yeah, um, for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, yes, here and now, you know, not just waiting for eternity, but how do we bring this, um, you know, how does how is the kingdom breaking through here and now and how Mm. am I part, how am I joining in that?
1: Yeah. I love it so much. I hope our listeners are as excited as I am. It sounds so great. Um, as we kind of wrap up, what did I miss? Is there something that the Holy Spirit is just laying on your heart for our mm. listeners out there or just something new? He's teaching you that you'd like to share. Just the floor is yours now for anything you okay. feel.
2: Oh, I think I think what I would say to listeners is, you know, I mean I just when I when I first think, you know, kind of ran headlong into myself all those years ago now, um, I I realized I don't think this is unique to just me. I mean, I so I don't I've never really considered myself the the biggest evangelist but I feel like when I when I started encountering myself in these ways and just like when I went through the spiritual awakening I would say I feel like all of a sudden I felt like this real just this deep passion to inspire like to like I wanted to say like wake up sleepy church (laughs) you know like we're just there I mean I feel like there are so many places um, you know in the church where formation is really happening but a lot of Sometimes it's in um, the most profound work is going on in places like recover you know where someone has is, is fighting against an addiction or marital restoration where they they've run into trouble but it's in these places where people know that they're broken mm-hmm. um, and I feel like so many of us and I'll just include myself in this you know number one I just I didn't know that I was broken in this way you know that and the reality is we're all broken <laughs> so you know there's like an extra step that we have to go through when we're not really aware of the our own brokenness and so I guess I would just encourage people to um, find ways to enter into that journey um, into the deeper journey uh, in ways that uh, might open you up to a deeper encounter with Christ. So.
1: Amen. Lori, thank you so much for being on the show today. And again, we'll link to all of those books and to The Ignatian Journey on our uh, website. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jess. It's been an honor. What an amazing conversation with Lori. And what I can't get over is the organization of God. If If that makes sense, follow me here. So I just feel like lately there's this theme in all of our episodes um, about obviously the character of God and the goodness of God, but also this concept of holding the the tension between the pain and suffering of life and the joy of the Lord. And how do you reconcile those? And how do you live with both? And how do you acknowledge the pain, um, but also embrace— the goodness of the Lord and all that he has for you, even when you don't understand it. And just kind of all these concepts. I feel like since, um, since I kind of took over as solo host in this season, I feel like we've had this theme over and over again. And it just has to be the Lord. Like none of these guests know each other. And yet they continue to bring a similar message of the hope and goodness of God in the midst of pain and how we journey through that um, and experience joy, you know, interspersed throughout it. You know, just kind of this tension of living on an earth where we have been promised things and we, and the kingdom of God is here and yet it's not fully here and there's still things we're waiting for. Um, so to wrap up today, all that to say, I just want to close on this idea that if you are in a season of confusion or waiting, God created space for that. I loved how Lori talked about the 40 days that Jesus was still on earth, how she explained it as that time where the people could grieve what was. Um, And then in his ascension, it was time to let go of their expectations of what they thought Jesus was and walk into the new future with the Holy Spirit um, on the day of Pentecost. And so I want to tell you if you are in that season that's like that 40 days between resurrection and ascension, it is okay to take a beat, to grieve, to pause, to remember what was as a process of getting ready to let it go and walk into what God has for you next. Um, and I just, you know, I think as we're coming out of COVID and a lot of life changes that happen for people. Through all of that, I think it's important to take a time to recognize what we've experienced, what you've personally experienced, and process it. Grieve in it. Um, I just love the goodness of God that He created space for that. And it's OK um, to be there. And you don't have to rush it. You know, <laughs> it was 40 days in the Bible. But I don't know. There's no timeline for what God's doing in your life, I mean, he has a timeline. He knows it, but you don't feel like you have to rush through something. Um, if, if that's not the honest place that you're in. So I hope that makes sense. And, um, I hope that's for somebody out there. And just please know that I love you and I pray for you. And I'm just excited to see where God's going to take this, this podcast next. I know we had our 100th episode two weeks ago, and I just feel like. This message that our guests keep bringing is also, you know, for our show that, that we're in a new season. We're trying to figure it out and we're not going in the same direction that we once were. Um, and I don't really know what that looks like moving forward, but I'd love to hear from you at any time. You can email me, um, at jess at collectedministries.org. If you have, um, ideas for guests or insights or if something from, um the messages of one of our guests really spoke to you. Like, I'd love to hear from you as we decide the direction of just kind of where we feel like God's leading us. So I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will see you soon. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at JessBiondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit CollectedMinistries.org donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.